So we, um, in our Bible Institute, we're taking a little time to do some of the uh, classes on Wednesday night. We're taking a little break from our chapter-by-chapter study. And uh, so we're doing our Sunday night Bible study on Wednesday nights. And it's good every now and again to drop back and sort of get some basics in there about what's happening and why we study the Bible and how important it is. And, and, uh, you know, I'm always, I hope you always hear me encouraging you to read your Bibles and to study your Bibles. uh, And that uh, you want to continue to dig into it till it becomes such a part of your life that you you miss it if you're not you know spending some time studying it and reading it. I was thinking about it the other day I think sometimes people um, the, the reason that they struggle with staying focused on reading the Bible is they read it like a rule book and not like a love letter and it's it's different um, you need to read it as a love letter it's the heart of God being poured out to you uh, in so many ways and because we're you know, we have the Holy Spirit as believers, and the Holy Spirit's illuminating the Word to us and teaching us. I mean, it, it's just it's so amazing to read it and, and begin to, to take in everything that's going on. And, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful, amazing book that, that uh, we never want to take it for granted. And, and so, you know, on, on the weekends, we're, we're really talking about this amazing life that we have. Um, but you know, I'm hoping that you make the connections with the things that we're talking about, how important it is to, to read the Scripture and to study the Scripture and to have that kind of relationship with the Word in our lives. And so um, this course has been, you know, a lot about that. How do we study the Bible? Uh, how do we, you know, find out these things? And so, so far, over the last six weeks, we've laid out a lot of different ideas about different types of Bible study that you can do. Uh, and so over the next few weeks, I have a few more types that I want to talk about. And we'll move into one of the other courses for a while. But uh, today what I want to talk about is, uh, oh, and so our Bible Institute, I think we had another, so we had 575 students as of this morning from all over the world. And uh, fascinating to watch them come in and watch their names and stuff popping up as I'm entering them and uh, giving them access to courses. And, and, uh, and I can go and look and see where they've come from. And it's really a fascinating journey to watch that happen. And uh, uh and you are certainly welcome to take courses online as well, anytime you want. We have 104 courses available. They're all free. So you can earn with us an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, and uh, it's a pretty good deal. So today what we're going to talk about is, is uh, studying Bible poetry, and sort of the foundation for this uh, whole series of uh, lectures here on Wednesday night has been from a, uh, a harvest time uh, courses, and we have about 20 of those that we offer on creative Bible study. So um, this is about studying Bible poetry, which if you know me, you know some of my favorite stuff, because I love the Psalms and, and uh, some of the other poetry. When we talk about what they look like and how it works and some fascinating things you may not know. So the Bible, as we've talked about, it's a collection of 66 different books. They contain history and drama and romance and adventure and poetry. Pretty much anything you could possibly want in a book. It's here in this one. Um, but it's, it's much more than, than great literature. Um, um, it's, but it's also, it is great literature in content and form. And, and so when you study the content of a book, you study the message of the book. You learn the spiritual truths it reveals. When you study the form of a book, you examine the way that a book is organized to present the, the content. Uh, most of the Bible is uh, narrative form which uh, sort of presents God's truth, uh, God's truth in stories 
which are easy to understand. But there are five books in particular of the Bible. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. All of them are organized in poetic form. And there's other um, chunks of poetry in some of the other books, um, but, but this primarily, those five books contain uh, and, and are sort of organized by poetry in, in their form, okay? And, um, and, and so it changes, once you know that it's poetry, it changes the way that you study it and understand it and read it because, it, because it's poetry. It's coming out to you differently. Still, Holy Spirit inspired, still exactly what's supposed to happen, but a type of poetry. And, uh, and yet Hebrew poetry is going to be different from most of the poetry you're acquainted with. Uh, so just kind of know that going into it. You go like, well, this doesn't rhyme. Well, no, because you don't speak Hebrew, nor did it rhyme anyway in the original language. But, uh, but, but there are things about it which, when you understand, will really help you on, uh, read those books. And really, it makes them come to life in some very, very fascinating, fascinating ways. And there's a lot of spiritual truths found in the poetic books of the Bible. So um, poetic form... Uh, it's uh, uh, the basic principle of, of Bible poetry is that it contains parallelism in thought. So that's what you have to know about that. It, there's uh, uh, parallelism is um, it's from the word parallel, which means you know beside one another or like each other. Uh, you, so you most of you remember from school parallel lines, right? Two lines running parallel. They you know they never intersect. They're parallel lines. I, don't, I can't do that with my arms very well. Just, you don't know which part you're looking at. So, you know, parallel lines. Um, so Hebrew poetry is parallel in thought. Um, each line of the poem agrees with other lines of the poem. And so there's four common parallel forms used in Hebrew poetry. And so having an idea of what they are is going to help you a lot. The, uh, one of them is called uh, synonymous parallelism. And so most of you know the word synonymous means the same. And so in synonymous parallel poems, the second line of the poem repeats the thought of the first line. So I, there's a couple of examples I have in there for you. Psalm 3.1. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? So I, I know that's in one verse, but that's two lines, okay? Remember numbers and everything were added way after it was written. So don't think, oh, that's just one line. It's not. That's two lines. O Lord, how many are my foes? First line, second line, how many rise up against me? So the poetry now. So what you see is the first line says that, and then the second line says it again, just a little bit different. Psalm 2.4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Parallel, parallel line, right? Same sort of thing, just written in different ways. So the second line rewords the same thought as the first line. So the thought expressed in the second line is synonymous, exactly like that expressed in the first line, parallel ideas. So that's synonymous parallelism. Now, secondly, there's another type, and that's antithetic parallelism. Antithetic means the opposite. So in antithetic parallel poems, the second line is an opposite thought to the first line, but it's still parallel or like the first line because it's stating a similar truth. It uses an opposite to, to make a similar truth. So that's why it's called antithetic. So here's an example, Psalm 1-6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the wicked will perish. So you see how those are parallel thoughts? The first one, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Here comes the antithetic thought to that, but the way of the wicked will perish. So parallel ideas, poetic form, but that's what's happening. So when you see that happening, the second line is, is the opposite of the first line. So the first line speaks of the way of the righteous. The second line tells of the way of the unrighteous. Um, but it's still parallel in the thought because it agrees with what is said in, in the first line by presenting an opposite truth. All right. Then there's synthetic parallelism. And this type of parallelism is like, it's like building blocks. The second line of the poem and all following lines add to or develop the thought of the first line. So here's an example. And sometimes these forms will be running throughout a particular psalm or whatever else you might be reading. Here's Psalm 1 uh, and uh, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So this, this verse is building on itself as it goes, this poem. The first line states, a man is blessed if he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The following lines build on that truth by stating he should also not stand or sit in their way. And then in verse 2, the first line says that this man delights in the law of the Lord. And the second line adds to that thought. He meditates on God's law constantly. So here you see this form is adding as it goes. So there's a lot going on in those little poems that we're reading in the Psalms. There's a lot happening. And knowing what's taking place will help you understand uh, the Psalms a little bit more. What's going on? What kind of parallelism is this? What's happening? Are these the same thoughts? Are they opposite but building on one another? What's, what's taking place in the process? And then there's a thing called emblematic parallelism. Emblematic. So an emblem is something that stands for or illustrates something else. For example, uh, American flag's over there, right? It's just right on the corner for me. Stars on an American flag are emblems for the states in the Union. Fifty stars on the flag, they're emblems of the 50 states of the Union, okay? So, so the, the stars on there, you've been, you know, if you've been growing up here your whole life, you know what the stars are for. And, and uh, how many of you were around before there was 50 states? Good for you. I don't know, when, when did Hawaii become a state? I think, I, I think they were 50 when I was a kid, but before then they were... 48, and a lot of you had 48. Yeah, cool. I think it's been 50. It's been 50 a long time. 50 is a good round number. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm way off track. I don't, but, but it's just that's an emblem that people can relate to. So, in, in emblematic parallelism, the second and following lines of our poem are an emblem or an illustration of the first line. Psalm 42.1, good example. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. If you ever read that in the King James, it's, it's a heart, H-A-R-T, pants, and, and that's a type of deer, uh, in case you're, you're reading that, but it's a good picture, right? So the second line of that verse illustrates the first. David pictures his soul desiring God, just like a deer pants for water when it's thirsty. And one of the neat things about here is you... you the deer get thirsty, and we get to see it sometimes. You know what I mean? They're, when they're moving around looking for water, you've seen that. And it's a, so that uh, probably, so it's a picture of that thought. So the illustration of a thirsty deer is an emblem 
expressing David's spiritual first thirst. So, how do we use form then to understand content? So, when you start to recognize these, these basic um, po- uh, poetic forms, very helpful when you're studying Bible poetry. So, uh, you'll be able to understand the content as it's expressed in, in firstly, I'm pretty happy this, you know, identical restatements of truth. Uh, that's synonymous parallelism. We talked about that. And so, this will help you understand the same truth expressed in similar ways. And well, what should happen is when, you, when you're seeing that truth expressed, you know, repeatedly, it should really help you sort of take that in and get it settled in your mind and your heart. Um, it's a very important way of meditating on the Word of God. Uh, and, and so, if for some reason you don't understand a certain truth in the way it's presented in, a cer- in the first line of a poem, the following lines of that type of poem will help you understand. So, it's really helpful. And again, if you've been coming here, you know how much I love to read the Psalms. I think people should be reading the Psalms every day because they're so real. And, and, and then when you know that their poems being written and how they're expressing things that, that people are going through that are, you know, the highlights of their life and the really the, the struggles of their life, but they're all being wrapped together and, and presenting these amazing truths. So secondly, the opposite statements of the same truth, anesthetic parallelism, you, you learn not only great truths, but you also learn the opposite uh, of these truths. Uh, and so, you know, when we looked at Psalm 1-6, you, you, you not only learn something about the way of the righteous, but you also learn an opposite truth about the way of the ungodly. And so when you begin to recognize those antithetic parallel forms, uh, you, you'll be able to not only apply the positive parts of the truth in your life, but you're also being warned of the dangers of the opposite as you read them. And... Um, and so in that example that I looked at, you know, God knows your way if you're, if you're righteous, which is a very positive truth. You also learn that if you're unrighteous, you perish. Uh, and so that's a very important warning. So very cool the way those are happening in the poems, in the Psalms and in the others. Then there's, there's building blocks of truth, as I said, that synthetic parallelism. As each line of a poem builds or adds to what is sort of presented in the first line, that truth should be more fully developed in your mind. So you can see this truth, and you can see how it expands and is being added to uh, along the way. And then emblems before, uh, which illustrate God's truth. Uh, such illustrations, they, they just create a very visual picture of God's truth in your mind. So I like that. So I like it when I start to read some of those psalms, and you know they're just hitting you with these pictures, these emblems of what's happening. As a deer pants for waters under the, the shadow of the wings. Uh, you know, those kind of pictures being painted for us are uh, fascinating, the shelter of the wings. So, those are the forms. Now, there's, there's different types of poetry. There's, there's three basic types of Hebrew poetry. And, uh, um, and, and so, if you can recognize the different types of Bible poetry, it helps you understand what you're reading. So, the three main types of Bible poetry are, first off, epic poetry. And, and so that's a, a narrative uh, a poem. It tells the story of a heroic action. And, and there's quite a bit of narrative poetry scattered throughout the books of history. Um, so, so you may seem to see some of these, this type of poem outside of the books I was talking about. For example, in Numbers uh, 22, if you ever get a chance to jump into Numbers, because we were in Numbers 4 when the storm hit and we stopped. So we'll get back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Glasses. Numbers 22, 
uh, it's about Balaam. And, and throughout there, there's uh, quite a bit of this epic poetry that you should read, and, and you'll understand it um, in the process. And so, so if you get a chance this week, look at that, and you'll see some of those forms in there. Plus, it's pretty interesting um, what happens. And that's the whole thing with Balaam's donkey, and, and the donkey speaks, which is kind of funny when that happens. Like, quit messing with me, dude. What's wrong with you? So that would get your attention, don't you think, if your donkey spoke to you? All right. So uh, check that out. Then there's dramatic poetry, which is acted poetry. And, and so the, the, probably the best example of acted poetry in the Bible is the book of Job. And if you didn't know that's what it was, uh, you're, gonna, you're fascinated when you read it. So when you, when you open up the book of Job, you sort of you see behind the scenes uh, and you discover that the cause of Job's problems is the evil one. Uh, and then you, you, uh, you find the, the next sort of scene opens up and messengers are informing Job of the disaster of the loss of his children and possessions. So it's like when you read it, if you can sort of see it as acted poetry, like a big play going on, it changes the way that you read the, the book of Job. And then Job, uh, the next scene pops open and Job is sitting by himself uh, by, by a big lonely ash heap. And then in the following scenes, his friends show up and they, they keep offering him suggestions as to the reasons to why he's suffering. And then there's this great big climax at the end as Job hears from God and, and he's restored with earthly blessings. But the whole book is presented uh, like a big play. Fascinating when you read it that way. When you go, oh, well, now all of a sudden it makes sense because I didn't understand before why there was this whole thing with the enemy and then why this was going on. Why was this going on? What's well, part of this big play that is being presented to you uh, so that you can understand uh, this dynamic and the spiritual truths that are being taught. Then there's lyric poetry. Uh, and lyric poetry is sung poetry. And, and so um, there's some great songs, uh, uh, poetry. And, you know, a lot of the psalms were sung, but they were poems being sung. Um, and, and, and so, and, and, but there's some in other places, like uh, in Exodus 15, there's Miriam's song. So I don't know if you know there's big songs in here, but uh, Exodus would be Genesis and Exodus. Exodus 15. The whole thing is uh, a big song. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he is hurled into the sea. So uh, you ever sing that song in church? I will sing unto... This is my horse, by the way. Listen. You like that? I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I could do that for a long time. It's pretty cool, right? It sounds like a horse, doesn't it? All right. Anyway, now you're never going to sing that or, or read that the same, because next time you start reading that, you're going to be going, yeah. how did he do that? He's so talented. I could do that the whole sermon, no problem, but nobody would hear a thing that I said. Okay. So, but the thing is, you know, you want to do things when you're reading the Bible that bring it to life to you. And so, because there's so much going on. And my concern is that a lot of people read it and they get bored with it and they go, mm. and it's not like that. It's alive and there's stuff happening and it's so amazingly put together and the songs pop out of the middle of it and horses are doing this. And you don't want to miss that stuff. So, so uh, and then uh, in, in Judges, there's a, Deborah has a song in Judges chapter 5, and so, uh, which is another really cool one, although they don't, there's not horses in that one, so it's not as much fun, but um, we could always put a horse in it, but uh, 
But, but if you look at it, it's real big. And all of a sudden you go, it's a song. On that day, Deborah and Barak, uh, son of uh, Abinoam, sang this song. When, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. And, and so it's, it's singing. And, you know, there, there's a lot of singing, right? And, you know, around the throne room, there's a big, big chunk of that going on, right? So, yeah. If you ever read Revelation and hear what's going on around the throne room and it's, it's, it's angels, you know, worshiping and singing and elders and people and, and, and it's loud because it's like thunder going and it's just really happening. So, so there's a lot of cool stuff. So anyway... So there's a lot of singing going on. And what's really cool is those five books that I was talking about. I'm going to end with this. So the, the five books that I was talking about, uh, of, and I, I wrote them there. So you may want to write this down. They show a progression of spiritual life. So the book of Job really is describing, uh, describes the death to the old life of self. That's what's happening in the book of Job. And watch how this spiritually changes things, all right? So Psalms talks about the new life in God. And it expresses itself in praise, prayer, adoration, supplication, confession, intercession. So the Psalms are about the new life, the new spiritual life that we're to have as we come into relationship with Jesus. So Job is really talking about death to the life of the old self. Psalm really shows us about the new life in all these ways. Proverbs, Proverbs, we're really in God's school and, and we're learning, uh, you know, uh, heavenly and yet practical uh, wisdom for life on earth. How, to, how you know how how that stuff happens in our, in our lives? Ecclesiastes speaks of the vanity of pursuing life apart from God. He talks about you know that's what he went and did. He well, it's all meaningless, and off he went. And he was trying to find life apart from God, and you can't find it. And then the Song of Solomon speaks of the pursuit of life with meaning through a personal relationship with Jesus. So so now, if you'll remember that as you're reading those books, it's going to clue you in at a whole nother level. You're going to go oh. Well, Job is this amazing play that's being out for me. But now when I read it, I, I find out how to, how to die to the old things and the old way of life. And then when I'm reading through the Psalms, here's all these amazing sort of things that are happening. As I look through them, I'm going to see all this parallelism going through that's going to teach me all kinds of stuff. And it's also sort of helping me understand all the parts of this new life, this new spiritual life of praise and prayer and adoration and supplication and confession and intercession and what they mean. And then I'm going to read through the Proverbs which I tell you all the time, and I'm going to get all this amazing wisdom from God about how this life is supposed to go, very practical stuff that I can put into, into, into you know, play in my life every day. And then I can look at Ecclesiastes when I want a reminder of, of how not to do this thing and what it looks like when I start chasing off life in, apart from God. And then I can get to the Song of Solomons and I can read again what it looks like, this relationship with Jesus in this new life. <clears throat> so... So you hold on to things like that as you're reading, and it brings them back into life. And so, I, you know, I just want to encourage you. Keep pressing in as you read and as you study. And uh, i got a couple more really neat studies to do over the next couple of weeks um, that, that we're going to do there. But next week, I have to go to a meeting uh, in California. I'm an area leader in the vineyard, and once a, once a year, so there's about 50 of us that oversee the churches in the vineyard. I have to go and meet with them. I have to go to California. So a pastor friend will do next Wednesday. So it'll be, I just tell him to do whatever he, you know, is going. So it won't be Bible Institute time, but then I'll be back. And we'll plug away. But I wanted you to know that. I encourage you to come. It'll be good. It's always good to hear Pastor Fran, but I wanted to make sure you knew it won't be me. But then after that, I'm going to, the next study thing I'm going to do is on types in the Bible, which will, which makes the Bible so much fun. And uh, 
So there's, there's types and shadows and events and things going on. It's so cool when you start to read them and you go, <gasps> so anyway, we'll do that when I get back. All right. Well, I'm going to end it there. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Come and join us and uh, we'll see you soon.